the great Grand Coulee Dam is a magnificent structure built during the days of the Depression. One of the work, or the CCC or WPA projects during that time when the government was trying to provide jobs, trying to provide work, trying to provide labor for people to do to get our country out of that great financial struggle. And it's an example of what can happen when people work together. It's one of the largest dams in North America, holding back the waters of the, of the Columbia River, providing irrigation to western or eastern Washington, and providing just an abundance of, of food and that sort of thing to, to the country. It's an example of what can happen when people work together. And as we think about the church, can we create something beautiful? Can we create something that is great? Something that will have an impact on those close to us and those far away from us. This morning, as we conclude our study of the book of Thessalonians, I want us to think about our commitment. Our commitment to community, our commitment to church, or to the Word, rather, and our commitment to God. Look at what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, as we think, first of all, of, of our commitment to community. Paul says, We appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and have charge of you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them, See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise the words of the prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. There's quite a bit that Paul packs into those few verses. And they pack quite a punch. But as they pack that punch, they also give us terms of encouragement. Terms of endearment. Notice what Paul says as we look in verse 13. Talking to the church, he says, here are things I want you to do. First of all, in verse 14, he says, we, we urge you, brothers, to admonish the idlers. The New American Standard says, admonish the unruly. I misplaced my New American Standard, and so I'm using the Revised Standard as I read, so my notes are New American Standard, even though my text that I'm reading this morning is Revised Standard. Paul says, admonish the unruly. What does it mean to be unruly? 
What does Paul have in mind? The word here, first of all, for admonish means to warn, to urge, to instruct. Paul says, I want you to warn. I want you to urge. I want you sometimes to teach, to instruct those who are unruly, or as the Revised Standard says, the idlers. This is a stronger statement than, hey, I hope you guys get involved in what we're doing here. It means teaching someone that it is their responsibility to be involved in the work of the church. It may mean that we need to spend time with someone teaching them a new skill in the church. It may mean calling people and saying, I can't do this all on my own. I need your help. The unruly is deeper than the idea of someone being lazy. The unruly or the idler, as the, some translations say, means to evade one's obligation to be out of rank. So think about the unruly in terms of that person that's in a military uh, march or military procession. And this is the guy that when, that when the sergeant says left, he's got his right foot out. Or when the sergeant says, right, he has his left foot out. And he's out of step with everyone else. You think of Gomer Pyle. At least if you were born before 1980, you think of Gomer Pyle, right? You think of Gomer Pyle, you think of someone that's messed up, and maybe they're wanting to go along with everybody else, but they're out of step. Or even worse than that, this is the person who refuses to acknowledge their obligation. They evade it. It gives you the sense that they're deliberately trying not to do what they know they ought to be doing as a part of the church. And so as Christians, we have an obligation to try to fit in the work. And the church suffers when there are Christians who don't want to work. We can see in society what happens when there are folks that refuse to work, that don't want to work. There are families that suffer when members of those families refuse to work, refuse to uh, support each other. And it's the same thing with the church. When there are Christians who refuse to be involved and refuse work. And Paul says, so when, when you see that happening, we in the church, we have an obligation to teach them, to instruct them. Now, remember what we've said as we've looked at our study here of the church in Thessalonica. This was a new church plant, just like Benbrook is a new church plant. 